Welcome to the Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I am Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. Hi there, everyone. So on June 23rd, many were shocked when the Supreme Court voted to limit the ability of people to enforce their Miranda rights, noting that suspects who aren't warned about their rights to remain silent can no longer sue a police officer under federal civil rights laws. Ooh, but how will this blow impact black and brown communities? That's what I want to know, especially when they have real concerns when interacting with the police. The business of being black today is your Miranda rights. Please welcome criminal defense attorney Alicia Luncheon. Hi, Alicia. Hey, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. The chairman of the National Action Network, Michigan, Reverend Charles Williams. Hi, Reverend Williams. Good to be back with you. Thank you. Conservative and journalist John Miller is on board. Hi, John. Great to be here, Tammy. How you doing? Great. And California congressional candidate for the 36th District, Joe Collins, is with us today. Hi, Joe. Welcome back. Hey, Tammy. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Let's get this thing started. How did the Miranda rights come about is probably what we need to know about first. It was created in 1966 as a result of the United States Supreme Court case of Miranda versus Arizona. Now the case itself represents the consolidation of four cases in which each defendant confessed guilt after being subjected to a variety of uh, interrogation techniques without being informed of their Fifth Amendment rights during interrogation. I don't know why I want to say integration because I'm feeling like our integrity is being lost here. Uh, At any rate, uh, attorney luncheon. What is the difference between Miranda rights and Miranda warnings? Right. You know, Miss Tammy Mack, when I read this opinion before I came on the show, there's something that was ex- extremely confusing. I want to bring this up. The court in the opinion talks about the difference between the Miranda right and a Miranda rule. And they're saying that the right to Miranda, it's not a it's not a constitutional right. It's just a rule. And as a result, we can't say anything about it. You, we can't sue about it. Right. So in this case, what you're asking, the right to remain silent, right, the right to not incriminate yourself. The Fifth Amendment is what we're talking about. Um, it is our constitutional right. And I strongly disagree with the court in their ruling. I believe we should be able to sue when this right is violated, because what happens if I if you make me confess or you tell me um, you get me and I'm nervous and I say a confession when I'm not supposed to, you don't give me my Miranda rights. I'm convicted. I'm in there for 20 plus years and I can't even sue for all the time that I've lost. You're just going to release me and say, so sorry, too bad. That's ridiculous. It's kind of what happens now. So sorry, so sad. I, I don't know. Uh, Miranda rights are the rights you have as an individual citizen of the United States. The Miranda warning is when the officer or law enforcement uh, personally informs you of what those rights are. So that is the you have the right to remain silent. Anything you can do, uh, anything you do will and can be held against you in the court of law. Joe, talk about the importance of Miranda rights and knowing them, Joe. Well, I think it's important, you know, not just for Miranda rights that you know your rights, period. I mean, the the rights come from the Constitution. It comes from the United States Codes. And if you don't know those things, then you will be subject to going along with everything that anybody says. Um, I think one thing that we have to get back into in this country is is studying our rights, studying the Constitution, studying the United States Code so we can know what our what our rights are, even if the cop 
uh, or the law enforcement agency does not tell you uh, your Miranda rights, you do have the right, the right to remain silent. Everything you say will be used against you. You do have a right to an attorney. If you can't afford one, they will assign you a public defender and you're going to be up up the creek without a paddle anyway. So knowing your rights, knowing the constitution and what to what to enforce, what to do when you get into these situations is absolutely important. This is what I'd like to know, uh, Reverend Williams. Here's the thing, uh, Miranda rights have, we've, we've been dealing with this for, for decades and police officers should read you your rights before they arrest you. But in many cases, even when that happens, the police coerce innocent people into pleading guilty. So how does this matter when it comes to black and brown people at all, Reverend Williams? Well, I'm, th I'm glad you I'm glad you asked that question, because that is essential to the first thing that I thought when I started thinking about this after we watched the case. I mean, all you have to do is rewind back to the 80s where we watched the Central Park Five get coerced and get hamstrung into having to put together testimonies that did not exist and had no representation, had no had no one speak on their behalves or had didn't even feel that they had the right, right? They didn't feel that they had the right to say, I'm not saying anything to an attorney comes in and, and, and some circumstances. And so then you get young men who get put in jail and have to spend time that they did not earn. Uh, ultimately, we found out the spend time that they did not earn. Look, I mean, urban centers across America, they should be in an uproar, Detroit especially. I mean, I'm thinking about Detroit. I'm thinking about L.A. I'm thinking about Atlanta. I'm thinking about all, all these places. You're where thinking you about America. You're thinking, I'm thinking about, about America. America. <laughs> right. I mean, places where you've got high concentrations of African-Americans, high concentrations of poverty. And guess what? You got high concentrations of illiteracy rates. Mm -hmm. And I, and if so, so it just may be important for someone to remind you to say to you and not just hand you a piece of paper or make you sign something saying these are Miranda rights. You understand them. Uh, uh, you know, from there on, you know, go on. So I think that this is a very, very pivotal. I think it's very important. I think the legislature, again, is going to have to do something about this. I mean, there's so many issues that go from issue to issue that we're going to have to depend on the legislature and the presidency to do something about or it'd be detrimental to our community. John, does this really matter in the Black community at all? I think it does, because at the end of the day, First of all, what this does is, and I think I agree with what other people brought up, doesn't get rid of your rights, right? Your rights still exist whether or not the police or the sheriff reads them to you. So it's not gutting the rights, but I think it matters for Black people because Black people are committing crimes at higher rates. I think this is an important issue to address because people are saying this is going to affect communities of color, this is going to affect urban communities. But the problem in urban communities is the fact that people in urban communities are committing crimes at higher numbers. So of course it's gonna affect us and people of color at higher numbers because we are committing crimes at higher numbers. And but I are think we, we need committing to- committing crimes at higher numbers or higher percentages? Uh, both, higher percentages. When you look at the population of black people, which is about 12% of the United States, and then you look at the amount of particularly violent crime, which is about half of the violent crime in the United States, it's completely disproportionate to the amount of population that we that we take up. So I think it's it's important to look at solutions and think, well, maybe we deal with the crime. Maybe we don't go into the bodega and hold up people. 
And then we won't have to deal with as many incidents of not being read our Miranda rights. But I think at the end of the day, the case is applied to everyone equally. And like Alito said in his ruling, uh, in his decision, it doesn't take away your rights, but there is no right in the Constitution to be read your Miranda rights. The Fifth Amendment, however, still exists. Yeah, that's true. But like uh, Reverend Williams said, when we talk about the Central Park Five, whether they were read their Miranda rights or not, uh, they contributed to a higher crime rate in the black community. And all this time they were innocent. But your Miranda, your unMiranda statements can't be used against you in court already. They've already decided on that. The lower courts have. And in most cases, they can't use cases. They can't use statements that you said that incriminate yourself against you. So. In, in, in a way, it's kind of just, it's, it's a band-aid. But I think, uh, I, I think that you have to take into account that most of these rights are protected and an additional right to sue when it's been either thrown out in court or wasn't actually used against you is superfluous. It's on top of everything that's already been put in place to protect it. Alicia, uh, attorney luncheon, attorney, um, do you think that Miranda rights protect suspects from abuse at the hands of uh, law enforcement. It's a, it's a laughable question when it comes to the black and brown communities, obviously. Right. And it's, a, it's Alicia. That's fine. Um, so I'm a black woman first. I'm an attorney, but I'm a black woman, number one. So I'm Miss, Miss Tammy Mack. I'm a little, I heard what you asked me, but I'm still floored. I'm stumped because John earlier said that black people commit crimes at a higher rate. And I want to go ahead and go back to that. And I want you to provide me with some type of statistics. What proof do you have of that? How do you, why are you saying that rather than black people are um, targeted at higher rates, right? How do you, how are you going to say that in the face of any knowledge that black people are number one for wrongful convictions? How are you making the correlation, the causation? What evidence do you have to support that? 50% when you yeah. have violent crime being committed by 50%, 50% of the violent crime in the United States is black people. And you look at and you look at the numbers, you look at the numbers, you look at the numbers of black on white crime. They're higher than white on black crime. You look at the number of police officers who are either sh police officers who have shot white people. It's actually higher percentage wise than police officers who have shot black people unarmed. Those are all numbers I've, I've provided on this show before. The evidence comes from the evidence isn't great in terms of how they how they collect it. But the numbers are there and they show the year 2016, I think, is the most reliable year. They show that white people were shot by the police at a higher rate than black people were shot by the police. No one talks about it because of course the narrative out there is that black people are being murdered and, and ruthlessly killed and shot by the police. It's just not true. The numbers that we have at least do not show that. We know that white people are shot more. There's more white people in the United States. Nobody argues that, but you have made a different point. You have said that black people are committing crimes at a higher rate. And what you, you've said- I, I provided those numbers as well. When you have 12, I mean, when you have 12% of the population committing 50% of the violent crime, that's disproportionate. You have not addressed the point or you have not talked about whether black people are being targeted at higher rates. You haven't said anything about that. Have what you evidence do you have that they're being targeted? Well, let me shed a little light on this. Let me shed a little light on this. According to the FBI, African-Americans accounted for 55.9% of all homicide offenders in 2019. Whites account for 41.1%. Uh, so with that 9% difference, I don't think we can be like, oh, black people are the ones killing everybody. But, uh, uh, we're going to take a quick break. I'm right back on that note. Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. And the business of being black today are your Miranda rights. Uh, police 
apparently via the Supreme Court, no longer have to warn you or read you your rights, or I should say, you can't sue them if they don't. After all, this is America. What does the Vega ruling mean for black and brown communities who are disproportionately affected by the police? The Vega ruling is when um, a person cannot sue a police officer under federal civil rights laws for violating their Fifth Amendment right against self-incriminating uh, by failing to provide a Miranda warning. So what does this mean and how will it disproportionately affect the black community, Joe? Well, you know, I don't think it's going to affect the black community um, in any aspect because we already know the judicial system was not created uh, for our benefit. It was created to target us and put us through a system, get us back on the streets and, and put us back through the system. It doesn't matter if you can't sue for civil rights. We have to remember that the Constitution and the United States Code give us our remedy and we have to understand what codes and statutes are. And those are presumed law until challenged. And, and in that aspect, it gives you the, the right and authority to sue any type of law enforcement, any type of government official under 42 U.S.C. 1983, deprivation of rights under color of law. And so like knowing the law is extremely important. So from my point of view, I can understand, um, you know, how people could get upset, but uh, it, it doesn't it doesn't make a difference. We have remedy there. If we feel like our rights are being violated, then we have remedy under the Constitution. We have remedy under the United States Code. And it goes back to, to studying. It goes back to learning. It goes back to to knowing these things, especially if we're going to be put in, in certain situations where we will have to defend ourselves. I, I agree with you somewhat there, Joe. What's problematic for me is when you ask a regular civilian to know the laws, have you read the Constitution? Have you read laws? That's right. a lot for the average person to consume and also to remember. I'm just be honest with you. Like, we have to remember all of that. These are the reasons you hire attorneys. You know, I go get my hair done by... A, a beautician because she studied it. She's skilled in it. She's a professional. I, I, I don't expect myself. I don't expect to know what and how to do the chemicals that I do or do not put in my hair the same way. Um, I, I don't know the law like that. Should the and average I'm, civilian know the law like that? And the average I'm civilian not. doesn't. I mean, the reality is the average civilian wouldn't be able to tell you the difference between a representative and a senator. I mean, most people think that the president is in charge. I mean, th this is civics that people don't even understand. The National Association of uh, Assessment of Educational uh, Progress, which is an arm of the United States Department of Education, through all of the uh, test scores that they've observed, deemed that black students are almost 85% of black students lack proficiency in reading skills. So, I mean, the, I mean, and these ain't my numbers. This is from the United States Department of Education. Like, so don't when come we talk, me. right? Don't come for me, but but because I, I don't, I don't need to just throw around aimless numbers to make myself look good. But the reality is, is that you know this is what we're looking at when it comes to, you know, if somebody really understands what's happening. And let's be honest here: when you get when that police officer is at your car, whether you're just there for a driving violation, if you're not getting communication because of the this environment that we live in right now i mean you could be escalated real fast in the wrong direction unless you'll be sitting laying on the ground with bullets in your head mm, what a vision um john let's get back to you white people make up over 60 percent of the population but uh uh, uh 
but make up 41% of fatal police shootings, while Black people make up 13.4% of the population and, and make up 22% of police shootings. So it is a fact that people are, uh, that Black people are killed at a higher rate, um, disproportionately. They're targeted disproportionately. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? I think when you look at the numbers, which again, aren't great, the numbers, I think I think it was The Guardian that did the most comprehensive year study of the exact numbers. And then you take into account who's armed and who's unarmed. And it comes out to, a, it, it's still, at least the numbers I was looking at were coming out to showing that white people were actually killed at a higher rate. But like I said, you can give your numbers, I can give my numbers, but there is no evidence that black people are being targeted that black that police are going out and looking for black people and discriminating against black people and saying I'm going to go into black communities and shoot them at a high rate. I mean that's the narrative. The narrative out there is that black people are intentionally being targeted because of some well, institutionalized why did George racism. Floyd get shit? Why did why did they kill George Floyd? What, because they, he was, he's he's guilty. He was committing he was a crime. They killed George. No, Floyd no George he was Floyd was guilty. He's guilty of of killing a man. Yes, he targeted George him. Floyd he, was he also killed. What about crime? South George Carolina when they put when they told the man to run and they shot him in the back? Which I, what about Grand Rapids when he was Floyd. on the ground George and said Floyd be still and they shot him yes, three times in the back crime, of the head? But he was still in the process of committing a crime. And what, then what about the, the what about the man in South Carolina? They told him to walk away and they shot him in the back. I'm sure. I'm sure that I'm sure that. What about the brother in Grand Rapids who was on the ground? And the police shot him. Boom, 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 boom. In the and back I've of the seen, head. I've seen so black people of, ain't I, being targeted. I've seen videos of white people too in the exact show same situation show where they me. are running away. Show I can't show me. you. We're on a we're on a freaking show. I can't I'm, show I mean, you. Send them to me. You, you, you know what? I've looked for them. I can't find them. I'll email, so Harvard, I'll you want to give me your email? Harvard, I'll send them to you. Harvard, Harvard, Ashley, Harvard, Harvard, Ashley. Harvard actually did a study between 2013 and 2017 that said that black people are targeted 4% higher than any other race. So black people are targeted. Black people are convicted more than any other race. So that's that's your that's your that's yeah, your I mean, it, because Harvard that's because Harvard did a study. We believe Harvard, right, John? That's what I'm going to say. I don't know if I'm going to trust Harvard, who is in the middle of a lawsuit right now for discriminating against Asians in their admissions process. So I'm not sure they're the most reliable source on that. Like I said, we can throw numbers around. Discriminated against, but you want to believe it when it comes to pushing down a study. But when we talk about discrimination, all of a sudden it's irrelevant. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's irrelevant. What I'm saying is that there are no numbers that show that police are intentionally targeting black people. There are numbers. You've just determined to interpret the numbers in the way that are in your favor. You haven't addressed any of the other positions here today. You just keep saying 50%, 50%. But what does that mean? When people do these analysis, they're not just saying you committed the crime at a higher rate. That's not what the what the numbers are saying. There, there are no analyses. These are, these are raw numbers that you're looking at. These are raw numbers. And the left has built an entire narrative around all of this, saying that Black people are discriminated against, and it signals to institutionalized racism. All I'm saying is that there is no evidence that this is institutionalized, that this is hey, discrimination. Hey, and John, even if the raw numbers you know it, show that- But that I'm Republican. People, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a left, and I'm telling you that the numbers say that Black people are three times as likely to get targeted by police than anybody else. I'm not a liberal, I'm not a left, I'm a hardcore conservative Republican. It's the truth, the truth is the so, truth. so So take the left out of there. The, na the narrative is still that 
it is an intentional targeting of black people that all police or at least the majority or a large percentage of policemen are racist and that the fact of the matter is that the reason they commit these crimes no, we didn't say racist the reason they are shooting blacks is not we didn't say racist we said target it's not racist target because police are racist no, it doesn't have anything to do with racism. Nobody brought racism up. Police target black people because in their training, they're taught that blacks and Hispanics are more likely to be the person committing crimes than anybody else. It's literally in their training guide. It don't have anything to do about racism. It's, it's their I training, mean, bro. To okay, make so matters if, worse, if they're let's committing remember, crimes let's at remember, rates, to make matters worse, there's there's a police. There was it was a national story. There was a police department in Michigan that literally had in their in their target practice in their gun range all black men as target practice real photos they're not targeting these are real photos real photos real pictures and they've apologized for that they they have a, they have taken the task to apologize for that so we'll see how many other police departments uh come with that same apology hmm the origins of modern day policing can be traced back to slave patrols groups of armed men who monitored and enforced discipline upon slaves so when we talk about miranda rights Let's take it all the way back to slavery and why police patrols were designed in America in the first place. We'll do that as soon as we return on Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. We'll be back, y'all. This is getting good. Ooh. Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack. And the Business of Being Black today is our Miranda rights. Are they really rights? Well, our panel will continue the discussion on business of being black with Tammy Mack. But now I want to give you some business that is our right to know the three week rule. Everyone wants to be financial free. Wait three weeks to buy that car. Wait three weeks to refinance your home mortgage and wait three weeks to finance any major purchase. Lately, I've been waiting three weeks just to buy gas, y'all. It's too much. It's too much. But I've found that there is something to the wait, especially if you're like me and you watch your credit score like a hawk. I'm watching it, y'all. I just be watching and watching. See it go up. See it go down, up, down. Sometimes in this is in the middle. I'm okay. I'll be watching y'all every week, sometimes every day. But the three week rule, that's the real business. Why three weeks? Because that's how fast the average score master user takes to boost his or her credit score by an average of 61 points. What? Oh my goodness. 61 points. Oh, oh, oh. And listen, 61 points added to your credit score can save you tens of thousands on everything we finance. Scoremaster technology was developed by credit data scientists to boost your credit score higher and faster than you thought possible. Scoremaster is so easy. It takes about a minute to get started. How many points can you add to your credit? Be sure to visit scoremaster.com slash B-O-B-B for the special seven-day trial I got for you. Try Scoremaster today and see how many plus points you can add to your credit score. That's scoremaster.com slash B-O-B-B. Again, scoremaster.com slash B-O-B-B. I don't want anyone telling me what I can buy and what I can't buy and when I can buy it. That's why I'm consistently tracking my credit. You should track and get yours up too with scoremaster.com. And that's the real business of being black with Tammy Mack. We'll be back. Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I am Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. Uh, today, the business of being black 
is your Miranda rights. Please welcome criminal defense attorney, Alicia Luncheon, the chairman of the National Action Network, Michigan, Reverend Charles Williams, conservative and journalist, John Miller, and California congressional candidate for the 36th district, Joe Collins is here with us. Okay, let's take it back to where some black people don't want to take it back to. I am not that black people, y'all. The origins of modern day policing can be traced back to slave patrols, groups of armed men who monitored and enforced discipline upon slaves. I always have to add and remind you that um, after the Civil War and then after the slaves were freed, they put into place a law that uh, wouldn't allow for loitering. So I ask you, where do free slaves go? Well, they don't know, so they loiter. So they have these slave patrols to reel them back in. Slave patrols were replaced by militia style groups who were empowered to control and deny access to equal rights to formerly enslaved people. By the 1900s, local towns began to establish police departments to enforce local laws such as uh, Jim Crow laws that they leaned on the police to enforce. Okay, how do we feel about Uh, the criminal justice system heavily impacted by police bias and outdated judicial precedents, much like slave patrols. Do I dare ask Joe? Uh, Well, I don't don't know if Joe was getting ready to say something, but I'll tell you this. It's just on the tip of my lips. I got to tell you, I mean, it's interesting to hear uh, you talk about loitering being one of the low level crimes that you all of a sudden have to interface with police for. But now, it's not loitering. Now it's if you're supposedly selling Lucy's on the outside of a grocery store. Now it's your driver's license is suspended. Your tags are bad. I mean, people now are getting shot and killed by police and having to interface with police in an escalated fashion for almost nothing. And when we talk about should we have the opportunity to have a simple conversation with the individual before you get ready to put cuffs on them. Maybe now that's not necessary. It just speaks and reeks of uh, an opportunity to kill a Negro. Joe? Uh, I've always been a proponent of removing laws that have not been effective and, and replacing them with, with something new or just getting rid of it uh, altogether. Um, we know the history, know that you know, we have, you know, uh, and unfortunately, it's a lot of politicians in, in office who just fail to do their jobs. You know, things are old. You know, we still operated from law from the 40s, 50s and 60s. You know, there's a maximum of law that says first in time, first in line. And anytime you get ahead in the judicial system, they always find that one law that never got repealed to, to hit you with. So, you know, we have to replace a lot of things that are ineffective, that no longer work, that were, you know, uh, useful for the time then, but no longer useful now. We have to figure out a different way to uh, maintain law and order in our communities. Let me take my glasses off and make sure this Joe Collins I'm looking at. <laughs> because I have my brother, my brother, have you, have you, <laughs> are you leaning to the left a little bit these days? I just don't know. I don't know. Uh, attorney, attorney lunches, please speak on it. Come on over, Mr. Collins. Uh, <laughs> leave the radical right wing, as I like to call them. Um, yes, I believe the criminal defense, uh, the, the legal system is is trash to put to put one word on it. We have the system that, as you as you discussed, Tammy Mac, that was a beautiful 
history of the criminal legal system and where we stand now, how we a group on slave patrols, how we have Jim Crow laws in place, how we still have relics of those Jim Crow laws in place today. And so how can we say that a system that was built upon so much racism, so much clear, flat out racism, racism that was built into our laws, how can we now just today say, oh, well, no, we, that's not how it operates anymore. It defies credibility. It doesn't make any sense. Um, and if we talk about the statistics as I want to I want to go a little bit more on these FBI crime statistics, because I do believe that what we've been talking about, uh, Mr. Miller made a point saying that black people commit a higher crime rate. But what those statistics say, and if we're thinking about the same chart, is that black people were arrested at higher rates. That chart does not say that black people are committing crimes at higher rates. Furthermore, if black people make up 50% of the wrongful convictions, just because you were arrested for something does not mean that you actually committed the crime. I know, I think we can all agree upon that. So I think that that further belies the point that there is systemic racism built into our system. John? And if I could, if, if, if I could step right in before we get to John, she said something that was so important. It's not necessarily an issue with me about being a right-wing conservative. I think the right-wing conservatives are important, but I think the numbers are black and white and the issues are black and white. And I think Brother Joe having an assessment to say that there is some discrimination, there is some issues in policing, it, I wish more Republicans would say that. That's not a right or left issue. That's an issue that just affects Black American. And quite honestly, if Republicans want to get more Black folks to at least listen to them, being able to have that assessment without being so caught up into Trumpisms and this anti-Blackness through patriotism, uh, I think we would probably all have uh, more diversity in our party leanings. That's a good point, I, I, because I think there are some Democrats who would rush to the Republican side today in these days if only they thought uh, they had their backs. John? Uh, yeah, there, I, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, first of all, let me just touch on the wrongful convictions. We don't have the numbers that show that these convictions were wrongful. It's assumed that they were wrongful because we somehow like to sit here and think that like we can't do any wrong, but there's no evidence that shows that those well, I think convictions we don't have the evidence were wrongful. That we don't have the evidence that they're wrong or right. And no, we, that that, that's, that's exactly right. Yeah. But I can tell you, and I, I'm, in a, I'm in a pretty nice neighborhood, but I mean, first of all, we're, I, we, at, one, at some point we have to stop going back to slavery and saying, you know, 234 years ago that we were enslaved and, and the result of our problems are because of that slavery, at, at a certain point we have to move on. And we have to say, look at the progress. We're on television, we're thriving, we're doing well, we're making money, we're watching our credit score. We have to take responsibility and say, you know what, we like every other country have had a history. We like every other people have had hardships in our history, but we're thriving now. And to play this victim card where we're still being attacked by the police, where you know we are breaking laws, someone brought up selling Lucy's. I go to the 7-Eleven. I live in a, a, a nice neighborhood. But you go to the 7-Eleven, there are a lot of folks out there, primarily Black folks, who are engaging, yeah, in petty crimes. They are loitering. They are selling loose cigarettes at best, maybe something worse. And now you know that because you buy them from them, I guess, because that's the only way you can know that. No, I go I go into the 7-Eleven to buy what I need and outside of the 7-Eleven. And you are observing people outside of the 7-Eleven talk. There's all sorts of shady well, activity happening. I think that's a, you that's a horrible assumption about. to make. I think that's a horrible assumption to make. First of all, I'm in Detroit. I live in Detroit. I live right 
not far from Mac and Bewick. Okay, let me tell you, that's historically a place and where people me understand. There's no, there's no and I don't assume, I don't assume, let me first of all, I don't assume. Hold that thought, that Reverend. Hold, hold, that thought, hold, that, hold that thought, Reverend. Hold that thought, Reverend. Uh, hold that thought for a second. Check the chat. Uh, John, I, I do want to say this. Um, we can argue all day about who does crimes and who doesn't do crimes. Listen, black people do crimes. White people do crimes. Hispanic people do crimes. I mean, we we live in, in a society where there are criminals and I don't think it matters much of the ethnicity of the criminal. We can all agree that everybody, everybody uh, 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 shares, every ethnicity shares it's good and it's bad. I think the problem here is that we have we have problems when it comes to uh, um, the Miranda rights in terms of black and brown people disproportionately. We already don't get justice in the justice system. So or maybe I'm wrong, John. Are, I think do that people receive the proper justice in every situation. I think that. Again, not everybody receives perfect justice, black and white. I think what you said is accurate. Black people commit crimes, I'd argue, at a higher rate, but we've gone through the numbers and we can throw numbers back and forth. White people commit crimes, I'd argue, at a lower rate. Like you said, Hispanics commit crime. Everyone commits crimes. And so the Miranda rights decision, which uh, I don't even necessarily agree with, I, I actually think that you should be able to sue. But the idea that it affects black people at a higher rate, I would argue, is solely because Black people are committing more crimes. And whether you look at the numbers as percentages or actual just the raw numbers themselves, Black people are committing more crimes. And so they're going to be affected. It's like saying lung cancer is targeting, is discriminating against smokers. No, it's because smokers are getting lung cancer because they're smoking. Black people are committing crimes. I mean, that, it, it comes down to that. So... That's misinformation. None of the charts say that black people are committing crimes. That is not what the chart says. Pull it up, read it. What, where does it say black people are committing? What does it say committing we've crimes? Gone, we've gone through those numbers. No, 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 no. no. We've does gone say, through those numbers. Does it say arrest? That's what I'm asking you. Does it say arrest? Because that's not committing crimes. Arrests, shots, convicted that's of crimes, all of the above. Crimes. All of the above. And we don't even have the results. We don't even have the results of this case. So we don't know who it's going to affect. We are assuming that it's going to affect black people more because we have this assumption that we are held down, that we are oppressed, that we are witnessing and experiencing systemic racism because of this corrupt police system <laughs> that went all the way back to slavery. And we're still suffering from the remnants of that. And I just think that's a load of nonsense. According I really do. New York Times, according to the New York Times, black people convicted of murder or sexual assault are significantly more likely than their white counterparts to later be found innocent of those crimes. According to a review of nearly 2,000 exonerations nationwide, almost uh, th over three decades. So what we have is they're, they're being found innocent and then they're still trying to, they're still trying to sue for apparently not being, not being read their Miranda warnings, which is what I don't understand. Because that's, that's the not the necessarily day, the case. The Supreme Court case that we're hearing says that if this is only applying if you were acquitted, if the case was thrown out in court, then you can't sue. Because in any other case, you can go to the court and you can say that was an unmirandized statement. You can't use that against me. And that's been the rule in most districts. Joe, go ahead. 
I don't, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think that, you know, what it's, what it's saying is, you know, different areas that you're in, people are different. The police is different, right? You, you're in a nice community. I'm in South Central Los Angeles. It, it has been found that in South Central Los Angeles, there are 17 active known gangs in the sheriff's department. And those people target people of color in the inner city, whether it be black and, and Hispanic. Now that may not be the case in, in Florida or, or where you live at, but that's the case here. A lot of times, even when you're talking about crimes, even when we talk about murders or, or petty crimes, you got to look at the fact that a lot of things that happen in our community do not get tracked. It doesn't, it doesn't, there's no paperwork for it, right? And when, even when you talk about the crimes for black people versus white people, black people or Latinos are more apt to committing petty crimes where you have white people are more apt to committing white collar crimes. Now we know that it takes considerably longer to convict a white collar crime than it is uh, a petty crime. So even if we throw statistics out there, the accuracy of the statistics that we're looking at are, are really uh, extremely low, but people commit crimes. Yes, that that's, that's, that's true. Doesn't matter what your nationality is. Doesn't matter what your race or what country you come from. People are going to commit crimes. Um, people are going to get convicted of crimes. Now does the Mirandizing, uh, from the police officer to that person matters. I think that's what we're talking about right now. Now, from my perspective, it doesn't because the judicial system or the law enforcement officer is going to do what they have to do to you to get you where they want you to go, regardless of if they Mirandize you or not. People are going to talk. You got the right to remain silent. You're going to spill the beans regardless because of the fear that has been instituted from the police department to the people. And that's throughout all, all generations, all people. And that's, just, that's my opinion. I, I, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. And I think it's terrible that police don't read the Miranda rights to everyone. All I'm saying is the notion that it is targeting and harming black people at like at unjust rates is, is, is inaccurate. That's are we opening Pandora's box here? <laughs> um, are we making our way to, okay, we can't sue police when they uh, don't read your Miranda rights to, we can't sue police at all. Or even when it comes to all of these settlements, like Joe, you talk about Los Angeles. Los Angeles has put out a lot of settlements from the police department because they've made mistakes and they're arresting or sending people to jail or even killing people. So are we moving into this space where we won't be able to sue the police departments at all? Alicia? You know, I think- Hold that thought, hold that thought, hold that thought. I'm going to take a small little tiny weeny weeny break first because I want to hear what each of our panelists has to say about that. Is um, not being able to sue when you are not read your Miranda rights opening up Pandora's box to us not being able to sue police departments across this country? Well, let's see what our panel has to say when we return on Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. We'll be back. Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack. And the question posed before we left was, is this opening Pandora's box? Mm, mm, mm. I mean, if we, if the Supreme Court has decided that people can no longer sue police departments when they don't read them their Miranda rights, then will we get down to basics and not be able to sue police for anything that they do wrong? Let's face it, what Black Lives Matter and the protests that have been happening for the last two to three years are really about is police reform. And it seems like all of this marching and protesting and everything that we've done has reversed everything that 
those who were a part of the civil rights movement pushed to move forward. We are not moving forward. We are moving backwards. Will it soon be that we can't uh, sue the police department at all when they are at fault? Will the police no longer have any accountability? Because the protest and the George Floyd and, and, and Black Lives Matter was all about asking for police accountability. Will their decision, the Supreme Court's decision end accountability for officers who take advantage of people who don't know their rights? And does the Supreme Court's ruling favor law enforcement and other government officials rather than individuals? That's what I want to know, attorney. I do think that the Supreme Court has consistently uh, protected police officers, right? We want to talk about qualified immunity. Um, there's a, a large history of police officers not being held accountable for these actions. This particular case, I will say, it is limited, right? It is limited to Miranda, but I do think it's right to be concerned, well, what's next? And we've seen this court kind of chipping away at rights um, throughout this most current court term. And so I think it's it's totally realistic and frustrating. Um, and I think that as, as time proceeds, uh, we've seen them limit the rights of uh, people convicted of a crime, right, to get their um, cases overturned, even when they have new evidence. And so to answer your question, I do think we should definitely be concerned about where this court is going and about a lack of accountability for police officers as a whole. John, what do you think? I don't know if we can extrapolate and say that this is going to lead to not being able to sue police officers because you have to remember the Supreme Court is there to do a strict reading of the Constitution. And from what I understand, the case said, okay, your Fifth Amendment rights exist, your Miranda rights exist. All we're saying is the right to sue police officers or sheriffs for not reading you those Miranda rights. That right is not in the Constitution. And then, of course, it can go to the legislatures and go to the executive. So I don't think that we can necessarily say that the Supreme Court is then going to roll back more rights to sue police officers. I think conservatives, particularly myself, get pegged into this, oh, we love our police and, you know, back the blue and all that kind of stuff and that we are just all out for the police. I personally don't even like the police. I mean, I, I've gotten pulled over for speeding and I've had to deal with a-hole police officers. They're not fun. But you want to talk about police officers who are letting people run rampant, you look at the Black Lives Matter incidents. There were a lot more people that should have been arrested and convicted for crimes during those Black Lives Matter protests, and they weren't. On the other hand, I would go to a restaurant or something, and I wouldn't have my mask on during the pandemic. And what do I have? I have police officers harassing me, saying, where's your mask? You had in D.C. police officers closing off streets, saying you can't go to this bar because they're not wearing masks. So you kind of have the selective enforcement of police officers deciding what and what not they're going to go after and what they're going to make charges, what they're going to prosecute. And I think if police officers don't be held accountable, if police officers aren't held accountable, then we do have real issues. So if we're in that direction where police officers aren't able to be held accountable, aren't able to be sued, I agree with the panel that that is bad news for America. You took us around the world with that one because uh, <laughs> we all look at the side out on that. <laughs> So close to the point. I feel like you're so close, John. You're so close. <laughs> you're like, I'm gonna agree with you. I'm gonna give yeah, it, but not really, not really, not really. <laughs> no, please stop me. Not because I was black. I was speeding. I should not have been speeding. Uh <laughs> Reverend. Yeah, I mean, being stopped because you were speeding and because you were black are two different things, but being escalated right, in your interaction with that police officer is, you know, what the issue is that we're faced with in this community. And so, you know, I'm one who says as much as information you can give as possible, as much 
the as much as the police officer can do to de-escalate an interaction with an individual, meaning read you your rights. I need this is what I'm doing. This is why this is happening right now. It's best, right? But this whole ass tail take, right? We ain't really talk much about that. This whole thing where you can just wrestle somebody down to the ground because you suspect of like uh, individuals who are suspected of because they're standing outside of a 7-Eleven, they're doing something bad. I mean, that's absolutely ludicrous. And that's part of the problem of policing. And until we change folks from being able to uh, basically attack you or uh, being able to arrest you based off of what you look like or what they suspect you of, I think we're going to be in a big, we're going we're gonna to continue to see more Michael Browns, more Trayvon Martins, more Eric Garners, and more of those who will continue to get shot and killed by police. Joe? Well, you know, I, I understand the sentiment of the entire panel, and I agree with John. The Supreme Court is strictly there to keep the other uh, powers in balance and to interpret the Constitution as such not to, to tread on your rights. Um, you know, you, you take Karen Bass's uh, bill that she had the George Floyd and police enact the Rand Paul no knock um, act. And you take Senator Tim Scott's uh, policing uh, reform bill and you put it together and you have an amazing package. I feel like that, you know, we have a lot of work to do and, and the Supreme Court is doing what they're supposed to do. However, they've always stated that it's going to be up to the legislature to codify some of these issues that people feel are extremely important. So as a person who uh, who aspires, who's running for office, um, you know, I think it's really important to have conversations like these so you can know what type of bills you need to, to put in play and be able to work with the other side to make things, uh, you know, happen. Police reform is important. Education and training uh, for our police forces is important. I think it needs to be done uh, better sooner than later. But we got a lot of work to do. Yeah, I feel bad for law and order SUV the most because or is it SVU? <laughs> SVU the most because like what are these police shows going to do now if they can't, you know, write in that you have the right to remain silent, anything like that was a big part of those shows. OK, I'm sorry. Bad joke. Uh, <laughs> I just started thinking about ice tea. For you know, um, yeah. Alicia, tell us about your law firm and how viewers can contact you about your services. Yes. Yeah, so my law firm is the Luncheon Law Firm. I'm a former prosecutor. Some of y'all might be surprised to find that out. I'm a former public defender. Um, I've done everything from traffic tickets up to RICO cases. You can find me at theluncheonlawfirm.com. I'm the luncheon lawyer on TikTok, Instagram, social media, and I look forward to helping black and brown people get out of jail. That is what I cater my practice towards, although, of course, I represent anybody who wants to come on board. Um, I know this isn't our show topic for today, but you, since you brought up Rico, I wanted to ask, I've been wanting to ask someone this question. Um, I, uh, Atlanta, Georgia has been having a lot of Rico charges, dealing with a lot of Rico charges with rappers. And I'm just um, want to know, could, could there be a Rico charge on a, an organization, say like the Proud Boys? There could be. The Rico, the Rico charge in Georgia is so... It is so lenient such that, you know, any, any individual who's a part of whatever. So, for example, we have the Gunna and Young Thug, Sergio Kitchens, Jeffrey Williams, their real names um, are alleged to be in a gang because of their, their rap lyrics. Essentially, that's a strong part of it. Um, they're saying now that they have proffers, but essentially this was they were going out rapping about killing people. And even if you did not actually kill that person, right, if you either directed that person or if you had some say or some involvement in it, you are wrapped up in a RICO charge. So, so I certainly 
Proud Boys could certainly be taken down on RICO charges. If, if, if a prosecutor wanted to do so, um, but we have not seen action uh, to, that, to that extent. Interesting. Yeah. For the January 6th, if nothing else, maybe. That's what comes, that's exactly what came to my mind. That's okay. right. Even felony murder for the young woman who was killed. John, how can we keep up with you and your work as a journalist? So you can find me on all social media platforms, except for Twitter, which I was booted from, but you can find me on all social media platforms at official John Miller. Uh, I was a White House reporter, but moved over to commentary because I think that these issues are too important right now to not offer any analysis or opinion. And I, I think that's important now. So you can find my work on social media, official John Miller, that's John with no H, John Miller, uh, Instagram, Truth Social, that's where I'm at now, Truth Social, you can find me there. Um, and then TikTok, YouTube is just John Miller. So official John Miller, and then on YouTube, John Miller, J-O-N-M-I-L-L-E-R. John, as a fellow journalist, I'm shocked you think an analyst, being an analyst is more important than providing facts as a journalist. So I, I don't know how much time I have. This could be a whole not show. Not at all. Not at all. Let me, let, me move on. let me move on. Let me move on. I'll, I'll circle back if I can. Reverend Williams, uh, what can you tell us about the National Action Network and, and the work you do there? You can join us at the National Action Network. We are the uh, caretakers of No Justice, No Peace, www.nationalactionnetwork.net. Reverend Al Sharp, the national president. Uh, and certainly, I mean, look, we need folks involved in the movement. So it's a movement based out of the black church. I happen to be a black pastor, which you can also join us at kingsolomonchurch.org. Um, I'm happy to see that. I often criticize and talk about uh, the church and where it stands today on social issues, uh, not much like they did back in the civil rights movement. So it's nice to see a pastor pushing forward and being a part of social justice. I thank you for that. Thank you. Joe, running for Congress. <laughs> yeah, my website is joecollinsforcongress.com. It's all spelled out. And you can find me on all social media platforms at Joe E. Collins and the number three. Oh, okay. I thought you had some more. I'm like, no, that's, oh, that's it. simple. We can remember that. <laughs> so mm -hmm. what do you think we need uh, from the Supreme Court justice the most? In maybe three words, each of you, maybe three words. What do we need? from the Supreme Court. They seem to be very active right now on a lot of retro uh, rights. <laughs> so what, it, what, it, what is it that the people need from the Constitution, I'm sorry, from the Supreme Court today in 2022? We'll start with you, John. Uh, three words, uh, originalism is key. That was one word. No, originalism is key. Oh, oh, I got you. <laughs> okay, you turn those three words into a sentence. I like how you move. I like how you move. Attorney Luncheon. Stop being partisan. Whoo, Joe. Uh, keep chipping away at the laws. Force the legislators to do their jobs. You can't count, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Reverend Williams. Retirement, retirement, retirement. I'm on board for that. Yes. I say term limit up, term limit up, or term limits now. This concludes Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you.